here's what I got to talk to you guys about. So we read a lot of Goosebumps, right? Yeah. And a handy dandy tool that we use is goosebumps.fandom.com. Yeah, fandom.com really locked that in about a decade ago. They knew what they were doing and they got it. And look, I'll be honest, it's good. It's useful. There's a lot of good information on there. And I don't want to take away the tireless... Uh, efforts and the uh, and the thankless work that the people at, at goosebumps.fandom.com do. But I am currently on a rewatch of Twin Peaks, The Return, a show so obtuse in some ways, <laughs> you can't not use a Wikipedia page while, while watching it. You need it for some things because sometimes a character will appear and have multiple scenes and you'll be like, was this a person in the show before? And they'll act like that's the case, but that is not the case in Twin Peaks The Return. Sometimes people just show up, have a scene, and talk as if you know who they are, and then disappear forever, and you never you never see them again. But here's what I've noticed. The Wikipedia for the Twin Peaks The Return is... I love that you say the full title every time. Twin Peaks The Return, the wikipedia.fandom.com, <laughs> is so fastidious. They... It is like a court reporter is is writing down the notes of what happens on every episode. They do not there is no editorialization. There are no they do not attempt to say what something means or what something or what somebody is feeling. No, 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 no. The facts and only the facts. Okay? You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm. Unadulterated data is what you're saying. Unadulterated data and they'll get there are characters like I said, there's a bar for instance in the show. I don't mm. know if you guys have watched it. There's a bar. And sure. there will be scenes where people will be talking about things that happen in their lives. And these are characters you've never met before, talking about characters they know who you've never met before, who have entirely zero relation, almost zero relation to the show. Maybe there are, are small echoes of these things they're talking about throughout the show. But they will talk about these things. You can go to the Wikipedia page, find that character and read about the exact details that they reveal through dialogue and through actions on the show, and that's it. And they leave it at that, okay? But then we read a Goosebumps book, and you go to goosebumps.fandom.com, uh, yep. and uh, you and you you read their plot summaries and their things, and they're willy-nilly telling you what's happened, and sometimes they, ex- they explain it how they saw it happening. There's Some, editorializing for there, sure in them. Serious yeah. editorializing, and I gotta say, it's a, it's a stark contrast. I will take this quality of wiki uh, over, like, say, the Barry wiki, which is like, Bill Hader plays Barry on Barry, because I'm Bill Hader, <laughs> and it says... Bill Hader is an actor who plays Barry on the oh, show Barry. Barry, which this wiki is about. Would you like to click on all the character tabs? They've never been filled in. <laughs> I, is uh, it one of those kind of wikis that, where it's yes. like someone yeah. did the base and they're like, I, I built it so they will come and then no one came. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that, Kevin, I know what you mean. And I agree. It would be sad and it would be very hard to do this show in some ways <laughs> if we did not have goosebumps.fandom.com to lean on. And that's why I'm saying I will not do I will not fully disparage their work, but I just was I just had to call out the the difference in the it just must be the type of person. Yeah, the the platform reflects yes. the type of person. Uh, like, you know, there are there there are shows that like are just talked about by moms on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> mm-hmm. And there are shows that have the deep and abiding and beautifully organized wikis. And then in the worst case scenario, there are Twitter fan bases. Yeah. <laughs> I, used, I used to have, I used to fall into this trap of like, 
Because, you know, uh, I, I often fall into the trap of comparison as the theft of joy, and I still do it with mm. other projects. I'm like, mm. ah, uh, the wiki for, for my show isn't nearly as in-depth as this other wiki, so my show is inferior. But I'm like, well, there's a certain type of person. Are we talking about uh, Star Trek Prodigy? Or Troll Hunters? Uh, or... Like, uh, like the Troll Hunters wiki was kind of like the Barry wiki, where it was just oh, like, okay, okay, okay. Someone put, some of them either went real hard on yeah. someone they had like a fetish for, <laughs> or they left that character page blank. And I'm like, this is this is this is half done. I feel like your Wikipedia for Troll Hunters would probably be very similar to the Stranger Things wiki. Oh man, God, I wish. I bet you like Will, like people are like, fucking who gives a shit? Will it will <gasps> exist. Will exist. <laughs> sad Will sad Will. No, I like Will. I like Will. But but I'm just saying, like, I think like I bet you they're I I'm just guessing who people don't like. Uh and I just <laughs> I, 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 they're like, will exists is a boy who exists, uh, and then, then you probably go to the. <laughs> that's his Wikipedia page. That's his Wikipedia. Sad boy that exists. There's a sad boy that exists, and then Dustin probably, you know, there's probably a, there's like a Moby Dick's worth of content for Dustin. Sure. Well, yeah, he's had his own comic book side adventures or something where he went to a slasher camp. Also, from what I've seen, Chad, your your fan group for Troll Hunters at all sort of seems to be more in the. Here is my lovingly crafted fan art. Please, Mm, (laughs) please mm -hmm. look at it. That seems to be like the type of fan, which I think is the best type of of fan community you want. The goosebumps.fandom.com crew, not a lot. I don't think there's a lot of fandom artwork because you would think that would be posted on here, right? Mm. And I don't see it. I don't see any of it. So that's my favorite part of I think the fandom wikis has this where like for certain fandoms, if you scroll to the bottom of a page, there's the comments. Mm-hmm. That has become its own message board about that specific thing over the course of ten years, right? Yeah. So, like, you go to the I don't know the the Owl House fandom wiki and you click on like uh, the tenth biggest character and you scroll down and in the comments there are just you have to go past a bunch of ads, a bunch of other redirects, and there's people just going like, "I don't <laughs> like this character." Comment reply, "Why don't you like them?" Reply because they remind me of my dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> like just like all of that sort of stuff, and you can just read that more. I gotta say, I like maybe my biggest guilty pleasure is wiki comments. Like, I love that they're hidden in the basement of the, like you said, behind below the ads. Uh huh. Are the wiki comments? They're like the comments on porn. Like they're just (laughs) (laughs) right, right. The the most id-driven, dumb, unhelpful things in the entire world, and I. I can't help myself. I have to read a few. Yeah, it's like a wiki comment and a porn comment are like a poison <laughs> that somebody needed to remove from their bodies. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> they had to they had to get it sucked out and drained somewhere. If it wasn't released there, something bad would have happened in the real world. You know what I mean? I love going through them like I'm an archaeologist or some shit. Yes. Because like because, like, I'll read one, like, on, like, the Fextra Life wiki for, like, Elden Ring or whatever. Right. And it'd be, mm-hmm. Like, the long sword. And someone would be like, this is the worst sword. A thousand downvotes. I'm like, I guess it's a good sword. <laughs> I mean, I guess people like the long sword. <laughs> I read through, I the archaeologist thing is the best way to describe it, Kevin. I'll read through the comments on an old wiki page because of that because i find it kind of a fascinating look into like a microcosm of a of a of a fandom mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also because i have this obsession with the idea that at some point a like a government splinter cell agency will use one of these like wiki pages to communicate their mission objectives they're like mm. we can't talk via facebook we can't talk via gmail <laughs> whatsapp's being monitored 
But you know what? The NSA is not tracking My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Wiki. <laughs> Phantom.com. And like in the comments for Fluttershy is a like the, the the president needs to be assassinated. Yeah, like there there's definitely like a deep state uh thing happening on uh, under the umbrella tree dot com or something like that. <laughs> like there's a plan there's a plan to to usher in a shadow president coming the, on. The there. insurrection was planned on uh fallaboy.fandom.com <laughs> Fall Boy wouldn't do it. Fall Boy's probably anti insurrection, but that's exactly what they do it there. You would look there. Well, I was thinking like, you know, you, you use one that's maybe underused. Fallout Boy could be good because maybe there's a lot going on and you could you could hide amongst the chaff. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of Fallout Boy fans don't know how to read. Wow! <laughs> wow, the, sl- the slander! <laughs> Kevin, I would say, if anything, to be a Fallout Boy fan is to read a lot of... Pete Wentz's overly dramatic poetry as lyrics. So yeah, they should be prolific. Kevin, <laughs> you have just fallen in Chad's esteem. You're going down, down like a Louis Lura right now. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Do you think? Do you think the song lyric is going going down, down like a Louis Lura? It's a. There was like a fucking flash video that came out when that song came out, and and they were like making up the lyrics to it. And that's what they said that line was. <laughs> And a Louis Lura. A Louis Lura, if you if you need to know, is like a Dr. Seuss esque car. <laughs> it's very clearly we're going down down in an earlier round. <laughs> no, it's not clear no, in any no. way. Chad, I'm on the I'm on the wiki right now. Uh and uh, it says it's a Louis Lura pulse right on this actually. Oh my god, this is gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> the, and they're they're talking about it in the comments. You might want to go join in. <laughs> Maybe we could have figured out what that lyric was if we had drank a little brain juice, my friends. There it is. Welcome to Goose Buds. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Quant. I am Paul Ritchie. We say our full names now. I'm your third host, Kevin Cole, and I p- formally apologize to all of the Fallout Boy fans. I also enjoy um, the the songs that they make <laughs> on occasion. I know two off the top of my head, and they're pretty name, good. N- name them. Uh, the one Paul is talking about, and the sugar, one sugar that, we're going down, and the one that references Uma Thurman and wanting to dance like, or, or someone <laughs> else wanting Uma to dance Thurman. like. Her. Yeah, okay, yeah, dude. I mean, that's a great person to pick to be able to dance like. Yeah, yo, they got they got they got Elton John on their like last album. It fucking rocked. I like the song that's "Thanks for the Murmurs." Oh yeah, thanks for yeah, the Murmurs. That's a fun one, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, a uh, uh, pre, uh, well, like early fame Kim Kardashian's in the music video for that one. Wow, no way. <laughs> yeah. There's a time where Kim Kardashian was pre fame. Well, it's on the rise to Kim Kardashian's structured fame rise. This is this is going to open a can of worms about our entire my entire view on on that. We should not. We should not. We'll save that. that for the Fallout Boy podcast that we start. <laughs> This is a podcast where we read children's media, such as Goosebumps, and review them to the best of our 30-year-old ability. <laughs> so, we're reading the Goosebumps 2000 book, Brain Juice, by R.L. Stein? question <laughs> mark. This one's definitely by R.L. Stein. Is it? Yes, I'm positive. Yeah. I feel like he had, you know, a month off because the last one was definitely ghostwritten. <laughs> and, go- and good. <laughs> and good. <laughs> And uh, he had like the rest and the, you know, the time needed to 
uh, expertly craft this one, which I, I think I, I think this is a pretty good one. It's okay. I don't. I'm not. Don't don't care for the ending, but I think it's okay. This was uh, fine. Yeah, I I enjoyed this one. I felt like this was the least goosebumps book I had ever read. Wow. Okay. Go on about that. Well, in, in terms of, and maybe it's just because you know I missed I missed last episode. Maybe my you know my sea legs are are a little little gone uh-huh. from from reading through these. We've read you know whatever 130 episodes worth of R.L. Stein books, but yeah. there's something about like this book breaks the pov away from the kids i don't know if they've ever done that before i love that part i made a note about that that there are oh, perspective shifts it. yeah but I, I, I was trying to tell you, i don't think that's ever happened in a previous goosebumps or goosebumps 2000 where our book starts with a prologue the perspective of the aliens was there mm-hmm. was there ever a prologue before yeah they've done a prologue have a they I, Is I, there? I can't remember yeah usually it's a dream or whatever well there have been dreams that were by the kids right that we were gonna right. deal it with it'll be like the kid imagines like oh like oh i'm scared of dogs and he has a dream about being <laughs> eaten by dogs and he wakes up and that sets up like the tone for the and then a dog the book a dog never appears again throughout the rest of the book <laughs> but but brain juice starts with two aliens we get we get a nice we get a nice intro that makes me ask questions rather than i don't know makes me question my life and choices you know what else it does it sets a ticking time bomb up under the table for us to think about yeah this is this this is a pretty wild book it is with this prologue this opening chapter is a story focusing on two aliens that I had the hardest time picturing what the hell they looked like, even though they were overly described. They described the aliens for four paragraphs, four goosebumps <laughs> paragraphs, which yeah. is which means two sentences each for a paragraph. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a not a school essay <laughs> paragraph, which would be at least three sentences. Uh, this two paragraphs or four paragraphs of them explaining what they look like. And then later on, when the kids see the aliens for the first time, they use the same description. They just go yeah. through it again. I hated that. Because here's the thing. Just give me, like, a couple of, like, vague details. Like, just, like, you know, flash some imagery in my mind during this prologue. You know, like, get make make them seem grotesque, but don't give me the full outline of the aliens so that I'm, like, this yeah. whole time I'm, like, ooh, what is that weird thing? You know, like, what is that? A, a double mouth? Okay, cool. These were so overly described, I couldn't picture them. Can, exactly. Should we, should we just yes. read it? I, I yes. almost invite this to our listeners. Like, if we, okay. just, if we just read this out to them. Yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. going to be said multiple times in the book. Like anyone, we invite our Goosebud listeners who are artists, who are much of the more the cool fandom that draw stuff, draw <laughs> what you think they look like and send it to us because I, my brain defaulted to uh, the two aliens from Simpsons. Me too. Uh, yeah, Kane Cutters. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that just was easier for me. But this all right, this is the two aliens, they're Morgul and Gobble. Morgul, the Morgul uh, Blade. Morgul, the Morgul Blade of Space. <laughs> And Gobble from Gobble Ghoul. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the two aliens were green and wet-skinned. They wore no clothing. Good to point out. Mm-hmm. Their bell-shaped bodies had mm-hmm. four slender tentacles poking out of the sides. I, I'm surprised uh, RL could even, like, describe them because they wore no clothing. <laughs> they were... <laughs> I don't know how to define these characters without what their haircut is and what kind of jeans they, they like. They had no clothing and no hair color to describe. <laughs> Why are aliens always naked? Like, I or, or I mean, I, I get like the alien in like the tinfoil suit or whatever, but like, why are they always naked? Because they have evolved past the need for shame. Oh, I, I know this answer. I know this answer, Kevin. Ooh, ooh, mm. me. 
Okay, Chad. Because uh, in this place where God is real Mm -hmm. in reality, the aliens didn't eat from the apple of truth and feel shame for their Oh, they're living in Eden. Space Eden. Yeah. They never did that. They never had space, space snake say like eat this apple and then they felt shame for their nude form okay. so that's why that's totally that you nailed it that's it i guess they also don't have a lot of like snaggable organs or or sharp or sharp doors or angles in their architecture or whatever it sounded so. pretty it sounded like a pretty smooth surfaced ship or space where they live <laughs> yeah real quick i did want to say they either the two aliens from from Simpsons or Victory Bell is kind of what I was imagining in my head. <laughs> the Pokemon Victory Bell? Yeah, a yeah. little bit of that. Was well, yeah, as soon as you say bell-shaped bodies, I was like, which way is the bell? Right. It's a Victory Bell, I would imagine. Yeah, Victory Bell's an inverted bell. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They are not depicted on the cover, so. Nay. They are no, not. just a big brain. Yeah. Uh, their bell-shaped bodies had four slender tentacles poking out of the sides. Two flat webbed feet, eight curled black toes on each foot. Rested at the end of short, stumpy legs. So they're they have tentacles, but also legs. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Frog-like heads bobbled on top of the short, fat bodies. That's where I yep. lost the plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was once they started having frog heads. That yeah, it was like what? I really lost the image. There is a picture on goosebumps.fandom.com. Thank you, goosebumps.fandom.com, for depicting uh, because it's I, the French translation has a, an image. I'll throw I'll throw it in there for y'all. Um. Yeah. I guess that's it. Pouring out oh, a little brain Okay. Juice. I, yeah. Because even in this, this design is too busy. Yeah. Because you have. Uh, different mouths for different types of eating, and I don't believe this monster evolved. It has it has two sets of mouths, tusks over the higher, bigger mouth that would be like those tusks are gonna be getting into your lower mouth accidentally all the time. That's bad evolution. I think the I think the top mouth is for eating, uh, and the bottom mouth is for catching anything that falls out of the top mouth. So it's actually I think a smart evolutionary step. I mean. Humans have two holes in their face. Like we, we have like our nose and our mouth. So that's not, that's not, it's not implausible that you could have two breathing holes. That makes a lot of sense. It, and, in, and in fact, it's kind of fucked up that our, like our main breathing hole is also like our main food go in hole. Cause like a lot of people <laughs> die from choking. Yeah. They should be separate holes. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. To say nothing of the party hole that also does piss. So <laughs> yeah, we. I think that's the most fucked up thing is the down below holes. Those are that's where <laughs> things really get hairy, and literally. Yeah. Uh, and I do. I gotta say this this image that they have on the wiki page, uh, which is a, a, an officially canon image because it's on the French cover. They it's not right. The aliens have bulbous like things on the ends of their tentacles where they breathe through purple. Right. They're yeah. Just, I don't. I don't even think this is a bell shape. No. Necessarily. No. This is like this is a Jabba shape. <laughs> Also, too much Steiny, all right? Like, too much fucking descriptor on this alien. Like, yeah. you could, like, parcel it out a little bit until I have, like, questions to ask, but, like... That's what uh, I'm saying. Just... Give me a little taste, right? Give me a little, like, build the mystery. Because it's cool yeah. what he's doing here. He builds a little mystery because he... Well, not... Well, he just tells us... That, straight up tells us there's aliens, but... <laughs> He tells you exactly what their plan is. He tells you is. what their plan is, but but he but like it's cool because in the like in the Hitchcockian sense because again like it's like a little ticking time bomb that we're like we're like all right we know the kid we're, we get to the kids very quick very quickly after this scene and we know what yeah. their problem is and we know the Uncle Frank who they're dealing with what his problem is and we know that there's a looming some sort of looming disaster which is good yeah I think, in my opinion yeah 
I mean, I think the fact that we're given this big description interferes with this being a horror story, as you've said, Chad. Like, mm. the, there's not a lot of horror going on the, in this. This is like a comedy sci-fi book, it this feels like. This book starts out funny, too. I think this book was actually very funny. For I think I was disappointed in the ending because of how funny this book is to start. But I think yeah. it's I think it's kind of funny that you guys keep expecting R.L. Stein to be a good horror writer when he is a <laughs> jokesman. But that's all we've been marketed our entire lives is R.L. Stein, the master of horror. Kevin, the intro to Goosebumps the TV show is just the the nature of his pages loose in the wind will destroy a town. Yep. <laughs> it will make a woman go from normal looking to slightly tired looking. Yeah, mm. it destroys, a, it can change a billboard, Kevin. Just the shadow of a G. So, like, this man is supposed to be a peak horror creation. And instead, he wrote Bathroom Readers. So, it's <laughs> there's a, 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 a contrast, for sure. Uh, the, this opening scene, we should we should set it and be able to keep talking with the rest, rest of this, is, is the setup of this comedy farce. This is a farce of a book. It is. Um, that Morgul and Gobble are hiding in Maplewood, New Jersey. They have been for nearly a week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they are spying on the, quote, famous scientist, Dr. Frank King. Yep. And his hot and, wife. And his hot wife. And his hot wife. They watch them fuck every night. <laughs> his crazy and... hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, following the jokes for it, it'd be like they would think that them having dinner is them fucking or something. Because that's how most of Morgul and Gobble's things are. Or they misinterpret. Which is fun. That's a fun joke. For instance, they think that Dr. Frank King is the greatest doctor because his name is King and you only become king of something if you were the best at it. Yes. Yeah. It this this starts the farce. They are they are just in the basement of a random failed inventor. Uh, and they are, <laughs> um, excuse me, yeah. he takes unprompted vacations, uh, unprompted sex vacations to Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, when the, when the story needed him to not be there, he went to Sweden. Yeah. I've never been to Sweden. I don't think any of us have been to Sweden. So as far as we're all concerned, he is a king. I actually like Frank King. Frank King is maybe one of the best, uh, he's not even a mad scientist. He, 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 I viewed him more as like, did you guys have those dudes who would kind of travel around your local state, who were kind of like, Dr. Whizbang, and he'd like go on PBS or go to your local school. And yeah. Like, and this is what happens when you put uh, f- formaldehyde in water. Yeah, water. A, a, yeah, a five o'clock news doctor. It is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting that his name is Dr. King, considering there is another, other like, more famous Dr. King. Kevin, I, Kevin, I do want to point out a flaw in thinking that Dr. Frank King is, has his shit together. He did buy that house in 1970 for $15, so <laughs> do remember that. That's smart. We should have done that. <laughs> we should have all we should have all bought houses before we were born. If, if us millennials are so smart with our computers, we should send some money back in time to our parents to buy a house for us. <laughs> Should have got some of that brain energizer fluid. <laughs> Hold on. Can I just, can I just, the cover of this says, a mind is a terrible thing to drink. I just need yes. to point that out. I just yes. Need to... Oh, I, I did some research about that. I was like, wh- where does that phrase, a mind is a terrible thing to waste from? Uh-huh. And it turns out that that ad, that, that slogan that we've all, I think, kind of, you know, colloquially now known mm-hmm. was a originally a slogan for... United Negro College Fund mm. scholarship program. 
Huh. Okay. So it was t- particularly a, a, a phrase used towards, I guess, just like, this is why uh, minority African-Americans should deserve to get to go to college. Right. And then RL, RL took it and made it about a, a brain smarty drink. I want to know who writes huh. it. it may, I would believe that RL wrote that. But I want to know if there's like, you know how like some writers for like news organizations will be like, we don't write the headlines. Some some ding dong writes them to, for SEO, you know, like they'll say like that's like a that's a job is to be the person who writes the headline. That doesn't mean anything that doesn't have anything to do with what's going on in the article. That's kind of what I think might have happened with some of these stories is somebody at Scholastic or whatever publisher was doing these was like, I got to come up with the, the pull quote, not a pull quote, but I got to come up with the thing. And it's got to be uh, just dumb enough that a kid will be like, OK, I'll read that. A mine is a terrible thing to drink. <laughs> I I find it on brand for white people that we've taken some something as beautiful as a mind is a terrible <laughs> thing to waste and sort of brought it down to the level of where's the beef. <laughs> <laughs> I fall on it. I can't get up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, there's no brains being drank in this. If anything, no. the brain is drinking. Right. Um, Nathan Nichols is uh, our main character. He doesn't know that he's about to be enslaved by aliens. Uh, His stepsister, Lindy, is almost exactly like him. Um, They're both 12, and they're both full of idiot. They're both dumb, and I love it. I love these (laughs) dumb characters. really dumb. It's fun. It's fun that they're so stupid. It's funny because, like, they're both really stupid, but they come from completely different DNA, so it's like... How'd that happen? Uh, Nature versus nurture. There you go. There you go. Two nurtures and the parents, the two dumb, dumb parents came together (laughs) and brought their dumb, dumb kids together. The parents gave them too much Dr. Pepper as a kid, Mm -hmm. as an infant. (laughs) (laughs) I drank 20 cans of Pepsi while you were in the womb every time. Weird. I I gave you Dr. Pepper. A doctor invented it. It has to be good. (laughs) It was really fun that they were dumb because like, We've had sm- uh, snarky characters before, and they weren't that fun. We've had n- many a normal kid. I would say like eighty-five percent, right, of like our main protagonists are normal kids. We've had sensitive, creative kids. We've had sen- we've had all kinds of kids, but I don't think we've had a truly stupid kid. We've had kids that are maybe unfairly graded. I can't remember which one that was the monster teacher, creature teacher, where it's like. That kid's not dumb, but the 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 system is against them right. to be graded down. Right. This is specifically, yeah. These two kids just having a real hard time with with all classes in school. They show up to Uncle Frank's house, and so like we're not we don't know anything about these kids, uh, but we're told that they're dumb. Do they before they talk to Doctor Frank? Do they talk about how bad things are, or do they just show up and they're like, "We're dumb. We need your help." I think they give us we get a little. <laughs> They, they they break the 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 dollhouse, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So we meet Brenda. They break the dollhouse, and yeah, we meet we meet we get a description of uh, Frank for the first time, and he looks like Santa, and I like that. Uh, the exact quote which I wrote down is, "He was a big Santa Claus of a man." Yep, I love it. <laughs> By the way, we, we've we skipped over what is actually the the bomb under the table in that first chapter that we talked fifteen minutes about. Oh, right. That Gobble and Morgul are worried that they haven't found people who are smart enough to be slaves for their alien emperor. Right. They might have to use the brain super juice. Young, strong, and smart enough. They need to have all three of those attributes. What do these slaves need it for? We'll find out later. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Will we? 
Do we ever? Do we ever find out what they need them for? I mean, we're told we're told one thing about why they need to be smart, and it, and that's the reason we're supposed to believe why they, they have to do the emperor's math or yeah. some shit. That's <laughs> the emperor needs a new mentat, two new mentats, so they have to be smart. Can't have a calculator yeah. or computer. This this alien race that is technologically superior to us in that they have faster than light travel. They have to have. But they're like, we need to get two young children slaves, make them genetically modified to be smarter, and then they will do all our math for us. Surely that won't end up bad being bad for it when these two two slave scientists end up like coordinating all of our ships to go into a black hole <laughs> right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the threat of this whole book is like these two kids, they're gonna get enslaved. Isn't that a fun topic for a nineties book? It's the topic of a lot of Goosebumps books. A tremendous amount of Goosebumps books. Okay, yeah. So they the the kids meet up with Frank. He's like, these kids just need confidence. I'll give them some grape juice. I'll print out a label from my sticker printer because, you know, uh, Jenny likes to scrap. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll do some my, quick graphic design. My wife loves to just It was the so 90s, guys. It was the 90s. Crafting was all the rage. So... <laughs> So he he boots up a greetings workshop or Photoshop or whatever, <laughs> and he puts together a little a little label uh, and cuts it out. And the kids are have been waiting for like an hour at this point. I do love so the kids show up and they're like, "We Uncle Fr- Uncle Frank, we are fucking stupid. We are so dumb." <laughs> They're not joking. That's what they say. They're like, we're dumb dumb. They're definitely us. not Dunning-Kruger. They're smart enough to know that they're not smart and that they need to go talk to somebody smart. And their Uncle Frank yeah. is the closest. So they're, they're that's, they got that level of intelligence. But they're like, we're fucking stupid. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> like, he doesn't, he doesn't try to console them or make them feel better. He's just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do about it, kids? And then I love that he does what you're saying, Kevin. And then he's in, he, he does all the printing and goes into the kitchen to grab the grape juice that he's going to put this label on. That's his brain juice. Mm-hmm. And his hot wife, Jen, is there. Yep. And she says, mm-hmm. what the fuck's up, Frank? You're using my printer for my crafts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm running out of ink. And, and Frank, <laughs> I'm running a business from home and I don't have this invoiced. I can't just order things on Amazon.com yet. We're not there yet, Frank. <laughs> So she says that to him, and he's like, the kids showed up. They said they're fucking stupid. And she's like, well, I hope you told them that they're not and that they're, they're we love them. And he pauses for a brief moment. And he's like, I'm going to go take this juice to them in the room, okay? I, he's like, I thought I'd prank them? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is a pre-Space Jam uh, special stuff, Yeah, you guys recall. For sure. This is a post-Space Jam special stuff. Oh, maybe it's afterwards. Maybe they, maybe maybe Uncle Frank was inspired. But this very much like I'll just I'll these kids want to cheat mm-hmm. to get smart, and I'm going to teach them a good, I guess, moral lesson that if they drink this, but really if they study real hard, they'll get smarter. Right. Yeah, what is the crime of of these kids? Like what? Like this is like a punishment tale, like almost. But it's like. Their crime is being dumb and asking for help. Right. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Like you're un, you're giving the impression that maybe these kids are just not trying hard enough. But like in our flashback, because they go to Uncle to Uncle Frank's house 
that we meet him and then we're taken back to see that they did poorly on a test which they studied for and tried re- supposedly tried really hard yeah. for they're being picked on by the other smart kids at school which i think is a hilarious turn it's almost like a 21 jump street it's a bit of a 21 jump street or 22 jump street situation where the smart kids are the bullies at this school uh they yeah. do they do crossword puzzles to gloat and to and to hold it over the other kids <laughs> I love this. I love I love the smart bullies at the school. That's very funny. And it's it's more in line with how like smart kids work cuz like look, if you're really good at doing your homework, that just means you have an okay family life, which means you're fucking privileged. <laughs> you're probably privileged, you probably have money and you have more time because you don't work so hard. To, to get good grades, you have more yeah. time mm-hmm. to pick on people and to judge people. You don't have to worry about where's dinner going to come from or maybe doing your part-time job to help pay for your family. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all homework measures is, is <laughs> does your family have some cash? Yo, yo can let's, let's just say that I feel like this is something you all will agree with me on. Goosebuds is an anti-homework podcast. Yeah. I'm going to stay pro-anti-homework because I don't like homework. But I'm not going to claim that I know the the mechanics of teaching any better than a teacher does. I'll say sure. that much. It's only not the teacher's fault. It's like tipping. No, like it, tipping is really fucking stupid, and we should we should get rid of it. But like, you can't protest tipping by not tipping servers, and mm, you right. can't protest homework by telling everybody not to do their homework. Or maybe you can. I don't know, kids. Like, try and unionize and see if you can get everyone to stop doing homework at your high school and see what they do. That is the best direct-to-DVD movie I've ever heard of that I want to see. Homework Strike. Homework Strike. Oh, my God. That would be... Homework Strike. Do we want to say that on the podcast, or do we, just, or do we want to start putting a script together? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I'm kind of not joking. I think this would be an incredible... It actually strike. is a great idea. I kinda, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Kevin. Show up late, don't do your homework, and learn as best you can. <laughs> Your your question, Kevin, was uh, that I I tangented it off of was what is these kids' sin? And I, I I think Paul, you were hitting it with too, where they've claimed previously to have studied. We have to take them at their word for it, but they're mm-hmm. they're unreliable narrators. Yeah, all the information we're provided proves that they are not lying about the fact that they do try and still do bad, which is just they were dealt a bad hand of dumbness except for i think the one time in the book where they have a chance to prove it if i if i if i read this correctly after they drink the brain juice yeah after dr frank king is like study real hard this will make you smarter Mm -hmm. and they study for the math test it seems like they don't study they just fuck around with nerf darts uh they get attacked with nerf darts for sure uh, I think they do study the, at first. I think it's a... S- there aren't, like, scenes of them studying. There's, like, scenes of them starting to study, but R.L. Yeah. skips over that because it would be boring. So let's, let's just assume they actually studied. Okay. We'll assume they studied. I just realized, though, that Uncle Frank's prank that he's pulling on them is essentially a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps prank. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think... I don't think R.L. is moralizing here. I think he's just, he's like, oh, what if this would be funny? He, he's kind of hitting on something real, which is, what is your recourse if you try hard at school and you don't succeed? Right. Like, you yeah. don't really have any. There's there's no support structure for you. No. Even in the 90s when we thought the schools were all working. Like, this yeah. is still... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I I would say Uncle Frank should have probably, besides this morality lesson, which is kind of a sweet idea, uh, there probably should have been like a, hey, you guys drink that brain juice and you guys promise you'll come back here after dinner and you and I are going to study for a couple hours because I Mm -hmm. know math because I'm a scientist. Mm -hmm. And then he like helps tutor them. That'd be really great. But that would ruin the premise of this book. 
So he's just going to give them grape juice. Yeah. And uh, while he's bringing them the grape juice, I assume on like a big silver tray with like a little thing over it. Uh, you know, like those little dome things. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Uh-huh. Like, in a, yeah. like in a cartoon. A home for food. Yeah, a little food house. You know? <laughs> food house. <laughs> Sorry, a food home. A food home. A food, a food, a food mobile home. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to answer the phone and the aliens drop out of the, of the sky and leave a big fucking gross <laughs> wet patch where they land. And they switch the, they switch the grape juice for their brain energizer fluid mm-hmm. uh and then they leave <laughs> which i thought i just want to point out that that i thought this moment was really interesting that that morgul and gobble are both naive to think that frank king is the king of scientists on earth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it still overhears the entire gimmick of what he's doing to these two kids. Like they, they are clearly somewhere in the house listening when he tells his hot wife, I don't know. I think he's his wife. He's tell his hot wife, uh, you know, I'm going to do this, this moral lesson is just grape juice. They're like, ah, a wise King who teaches via parable. We shall, we shall mess with the brain juice. They, they know it's not real brain juice. So they're like, we're going to dump this out. I don't know how smart these aliens are. They live in a society where the divine rate of Kings is, is real. Uh huh. <laughs> And height-based. Anyone who's taller than anyone else apparently has seniority. Divine right. Which is the invader's end method, which yeah. is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God chose for you to be closer to him, so you are the king. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm impressed that the aliens invented uh, brain juice before young juice and strong juice. Because <laughs> those are the three criteria, right? They need to be smart, strong, and young. Oh, I hadn't thought about this other book of like, what if we make these the scientists younger and they give them they give them youth potion uh (laughs) they can't they can't make you young or strong but they can make you smart except they don't drink the brain juice themselves otherwise they would know random facts about earth right but they also establish that it is usually intended for aliens because like we don't know what the brain juice will do to a human so it must have been used on their own kind they did test it on aliens yes yeah. So the kids drink the brain juice. They go home. They're still pretty dumb uh, at the start of the next day. They stay dumb for a little bit. There's that grade 21 Jump Street kind of joke where you think Nathan, the, mm-hmm. the boy, is actually starting to hit it off and he sees a tough formula on the board and he... I thought that was so funny. That was genuinely funny. That's Channing Tatum going, what up, science? Like he writes out this whole equation and, and the teacher's like, none of that is correct. <laughs> yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tisling. Tisling, yes. Who, who, uh, can I read Mr. Tisling's description? I had to Please, write, please. I had to write down Mr. Tisling's description because I, I want to be described this way. Please, from now on, describe me this way. <laughs> <laughs> he wore jeans and sweaters torn at the neck and lots of kids thought he was really cool. Please describe me like that. <laughs> Put that on your tube so kids thought he was really cool. He wore jeans and, to- and sweaters torn at the neck and lots of kids thought he was really cool. Uh, rip Paul Ritchie. What is a, what is a sweater? That is torn at the neck look like. I'm it's just cool. It's this. cool. It's cool, Kevin. You don't try to look cool. You are cool, is what it is, is what it says. Best teacher ever I ever had, Mr. Hostetler, learned Latin for four years. That Jew drove a beat up uh like Studebaker car mm-hmm. and wore those type of like suit jackets with big uh pads on the elbows that are definitely not cool. Yeah. And he had a po- and he had a gray ponytail, and when he would talk to you, he'd lean back against the chalkboard very casually and then when he turned around his entire back was covered in chalk dude was not cool but he was the best teacher <laughs> he was the best teacher i ever had 
Shout out. Hope he's listening. Yeah. Hope he's I love Mr. There. Hosteller. I love you. <laughs> the night when they drink the brain juice, they put it in, them into wine glasses and they clink them, which I thought was very I, cute. It, I love that they, <laughs> they mimic their drinking parents. That was good. Yep. Their parents who drink just to get through the day. And also the aliens show up at their house and Nathan steps in a yellow glob that the aliens are just constantly like spewing. Yeah, nobody in this world is smart enough to recognize the trails of of smelly, slimy yellow goo that these these, these guys leave everywhere. This is just leapt out of a mac and cheese commercial. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the only part that was kind of maybe the tiniest bit scary is... I guess it's a bit of the bomb under the table, but was that when they burn on New Jersey? Is that what scared you? <laughs> no, that was uh, that did not hit for me. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember that actually. Uh, was it's just the idea that like they are somewhere in the scene spying on them? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of spooky. Oh, always. Like, you yeah. just know they're in the house somewhere. Yeah, they're, like they're hanging there. There's at one point they find the slime pile like outside the window outside, meaning that they were just standing there for a while watching these kids. Yeah, it's, scary. it's pretty scary. They, we see them being sneaky a couple of times throughout this book, and it's pretty, it's uh, it's, it's a spooky little thing. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I spooky don't know. enough. Halloween enough. Uh, yes, yeah, so we get the crossword burn. Um, We get my favorite line where, like, Nathan's only friend, Eddie. Oh, my God, I love this. Draws a picture of Mr. Tissling with a worm coming out of his nose. What was the line? What was the line that you liked, Kevin? Eddie is an artist. An like, artist! <laughs> <laughs> He says, he's an artist. An artist! He's an artist! <laughs> I fucking love that, too. I wrote that one down. <laughs> I remember thinking that the first time my uncle drew a pile of shit. Like, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. He's an artist. An artist! <laughs> it was you, like, like you're like an art collector, and you, like, caught, you found, a, you found someone. You're like, I found yeah. one. No, that was great. They do, and there's, a, we talked about a, the kids doing the crossword, and you brought up the crossword burn. Uh, this is post drinking the brain juice, and the kids think they should be smart by now. And this is where the kids are like, "Hey, what's a six letter word for what is it? Like a dummy or something like that, or like or someone who's like an oaf? Yeah, there's an oh, oafish yeah. who's oafish and and dull, and and uh, to which uh, Nathan responds, "What kind of fish?" Which is a nice. Uh, stupid person joke. Um, That's good RLism. There we <laughs> go. Good RLism. Uh, and and they they get he sits there thinking about it for interminably for a couple of pages, and then they uh, they nail him with a oh N A T H A N. So they have Dum Dum Day, and uh, Mister Tisling keeps them after class because they did extra bad on their on their tests. Mm-hmm. So bad that he thought they cheated to do that bad. Right, which is a joke in quotation marks. Mister Tisling sucks. Um, he lo- he is cool though. But the kids he think suck. he's really cool though. Listen, if a kids think if kids think you're really cool, you probably suck. <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah, did I did I miss? Is there three tests? Because the first test I remember was they got perfect scores, and the teacher was like, "You must have cheated." Sorry, the first no. No, no, the first test they do bad on. Then the brain juice kicks in while they're doing yeah. the second test, and that's yeah. when they don't know that they're doing well. Uh, and they take the test, and then the next day, uh, Mr. Tisling gives them back the tests and says that he needs to see them again after class to which they assume they did even more poorly yeah. uh but then he reveals no you both got perfect tests you are so stupid that not even i could teach you this well uh and you need to take another test tomorrow i'm going to tear these tests up uh because you i know you cheated and we're going to test you again tomorrow to which he does do that and the kids again absolutely nail it and this is when brain juice is kicking into full effect 
And they're to the point now where they're answering questions in class without any effort. Uh, Nathan is constantly correcting Mr. Tisling. Mr. Tisling's mm. finally getting burned on. The kids are starting to see that he's actually a big idiot and his the, his smoke and mirrors uh, ploy that he's got. <laughs> he's taught with he's he's made these kids think he was cool with his torn sweaters and pants has finally fallen apart. Yeah. Yeah. The wish fulfillment of this book of now I'm a genius doesn't happen for more than like a page. It kind of quickly goes from we didn't even realize we were smart yet. No one believes us to. The school has turned against the kids. They yeah. are too smart and annoying. <laughs> yeah, they solve all the crosswords. They build the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Their friends are starting to be alienated from them. They don't want to hang out anymore because they're too smart, I guess. Oh, yeah. Sorry, can I talk about my favorite scene in this whole thing? Sorry to cut you out, Kevin. I just had it saved. Uh, was when they're at home, they are guessing every question right on Jeopardy. Yeah. And and the parents, I guess, like don't believe it. They're like, ah, it's pre-recorded. That's no one believes in these kids. No, no, they're like, no. <laughs> it's pre-recorded. There's no reason to know the answer. And Lindy goes, "We're ready for final Jeopardy." Then outside, final Jeopardy. Gobel murdered. Watching the two kids through the dead window, hidden by the darkness of the winter evening. Final Jeopardy. Yes, I think that describes what those two human kids are about to face. I like that a lot. That's a good transition. It was a great little moment where we get, uh, we get like a nice little uh, jokish transition, but it was it was cinematic in a way. It took us outside. I thought I thought that was good too, Chad. I was into that. And you can't do that without perspective shifts. Like, we yeah. can't do that if we're duct taped to one character for the whole fucking yeah. story. And Which is what's normally, I don't think we would normally, ever, in a Goosebump book, ever be with Gobble and Morgul without the kids there. Yeah. That's what made this feel so so different and kind of fresh as a book. Right. But it did also destroy the horror aspect of it. Oh, yeah. It made it fully a comedy. It made yeah. it purely a farce of, like, they're misunderstanding stuff and... Comedy of them going, yes, we have found our slaves. Um, mm-hmm. So they have to go see the principal and the guidance counselor uh, because they're too smart for the school, and their parents try to fight it. And the government shows up, and they want a piece of their genius kids' brains. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the brain sampling was a very odd. Th- like if you're if you're going to work for the government, be have a little more. Secrecy. Yeah, it escalates very quickly. I think before even the government agent shows up, like Lindy and Nathan are watching the news at home about them. Yeah, like a reporter is talking about how these kids have been asked to leave the school because they're too smart. Mm -hmm. Like that is some breaking news. Is all I'm saying. I mean, you could just probably get your GED and then not have to do school anymore. Fuck yeah. Um. So they run over to Wardle's house, who's one of the smart kids, and they have a moment of, I guess. It was not cool that we bullied you, but we only think that because you're smart. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of regret of like the kid. There's like there's other kids there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Where it's like we all you get the sense that these other smart kids don't necessarily feel great that now these their two new smart rivals are being asked to leave the school, right? But that's that's not going to go anywhere. But at least it was a nice little human moment for the kids. Yeah, and I think what I think I realized what these kids' sin is in this one. Their sin, yeah. their sin is desiring to be special, is what their sin <laughs> is. Because they, they, they are given the monkey's paw wish fulfillment of becoming special and realize mm. how horrible becoming special is. So I guess that's their punishment. Specialer. Specialer. Well, all right, so here, here's, you think you just helped me hit, Paul, like why this book feels so bizarre is it's like two separate premises kind of crammed together into this this farce. Uh-huh. In a, I mean, in a compliment way of like, misunderstanding 
but the there's another version of this story where Dr. King is genuinely a mad scientist and he gives them brain smart good juice. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of these beats happen as is of the wish fulfillment and then the four, the monkey's paw of like, oh, we were too smart and people didn't like us. Right. But it's also this crazy turn of, well, actually, the kids thought they drank his her uncle's grandpa. Her, Jesus. <laughs> Uncle they grandpa. They think they drank. Yeah, Uncle Grandpa Frank's brain juice, but really it was alien brain juice. They don't know the aliens exist because the next part of the story is going to be about aliens capturing them, which is completely different than the entire it's premise. Com- it's, yeah, yeah. They the two halves of this story are like they don't fit together very well. No, the aliens show up and they prove they're aliens by eating a bird. Yeah, I love this. Part. Oh, okay, yeah. I love this part. Our genius protagonist, our now genius <laughs> protagonist, sees the aliens. The aliens come out. And he goes, nah, they real aliens. I'm a genius. I know it. And then the aliens explain. (laughs) They explain that they're aliens. And he's like, hold on. I don't believe it now for some reason. So that way they prove it is by grabbing a bird and eating its head, which Ozzy did that. And that guy is definitely not an alien. (laughs) I I guess this shows the difference between a high intelligence, low wit character and a high wit, low intelligence character. Okay, yeah, that's it. A lot of retention, not a lot of uh, synthesis of of what you're processing. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's exactly it, Kevin. I, I do love this. They 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 see these aliens and then they describe them again fully for us in case we've missed mm-hmm. that entire prologue, which I think probably was they wrote the story uh, and then they were like, well, we should add a prologue at the beginning and get these aliens in here earlier. Uh, gotta hook them early. Gotta hook them at that Scholastic Book Fair. Get them at the book fair. Get them in the first couple pages. <laughs> gotta make sure they don't put it back on the shelf mm-hmm. while they have the 10 minutes to shop. It's like every TV show and movie now. We need to have the instant. Uh. We have to hook them instantly or else they won't care. Yep. Uh, so that they, they, they do the full description again. They do the, bir- they do the bird eating. And then our genius main character, again, our now genius main character, is like, gotta come up with a plan. His plan? Fucking run away. Run. Super run away. Run back to our house. The safest place there is. No one will expect us, now famous people, to be at the place where we live. <laughs> I mean, in terms of plans in the Goosebumps, you know, canon, not the worst one. It just so happens to be that uh, mom mom is leaving the house really quick. Like, yeah. like mom is getting in the car. Right. She's like, I don't have time to talk. I'm not going to listen to you about the aliens, but also as they come inside the door, they're like, mom was baking brownies. Mom left with the fucking oven on? I saw that too. She left Brenda with the oven on? Listen, she's a 90s parent. She's got she's got to have it all and she's got to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was told I can have it all and I so far I've bought most of what I wanted for $50 throughout my life. I can only get, I can only get this one hour of Jazzercise set. So listen, you guys are in charge of little, little Lindy now. Also, I, the oven's off. I do love that she victim blames the, her genius children at this point because she's like, she's like, it's your fucking fault. I got to go to school because you're too damn smart that they kicked you out of school and you made everybody scared of you. She gives yeah. them a, she gives them a nice little bit of victim blaming and she pieces out and leaves them there. And the aliens show up because the genius plan wasn't so genius. Uh, they smash <laughs> in. They grab Brenda. Right, Brenda's our sister? Yeah, Brenda. Brenda. They grab Brenda. They're like, we're going to eat your sister if you don't come with us. And they say, okay, we'll come with you. And they go, haha, you fucking idiots. We're going to eat your sister anyway. And then we we edge wipe to them in the spaceship. 
Yep. <laughs> and we're supposed to believe briefly that Brenda was eaten, but then through expository dialogue, we are told that Brenda was not eaten, uh, thus getting rid of any tension that might have still been there. Yeah, that was a strange beat. Yeah, right? That, uh, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. also, we hadn't talked about... There's so much of Gobble and Morgul's discussions of, like... They are obsessed with talking about how they want to kill humans when they're alive. Right. They're like, oh, if we if we kill them when they're dead, if we eat them when they're dead, that's not going to be as tasty. Like, so the fact that they don't eat this child is kind of hard to believe. Right. Yeah. And um, the the kids try to spend the rest of the spaceship ride putting on, like, trying to pretend they're stupid. Yeah. Like, how's a pencil work? <laughs> or what? which way is left? I have an attitude they, problem. They course correct. <laughs> they course correct hard into stupid. They are saying that the brain juice must have worn off, but it clearly hasn't. Yeah. So they're taken into the alien planet, which is just kind of New York, I guess. It's just got, like, some strange... <laughs> Some strange bees and buzzsaw style music and aliens hell kitchen. Yeah, aliens hell kitchen. They're all hanging out on their little like (laughs) stoops and their and their fire escapes. Their arms twirling around. Yeah, yeah. Like there's not a lot here except uh, now that now the like there's really not a way to like not sexualize this next part. (laughs) Go on. Because we get to the fire hose. The fire hose, oh, baby. Oh, well, yeah, this would be, yeah, this is this has some, like, internet fetish stuff to it. This is some uh, kink about it. <laughs> I just want to say that I wish that the acid was given to them, please. I wish they got acided. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they're like, we got to clean you kids for the emperor before he, he sees you. And I think it's what they've said that you're going to do all this math for him, which is still crazy <laughs> they want to clean them from the inside out too yeah yeah so they 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 put these kids up on this poor fetish wall <laughs> and yeah they're like we're gonna we're gonna jam these hoses that are overly described as the width of a thermos can they describe the thermos can fire hose thing tickling the back of their throat and then they <laughs> then i guess the emperor shows up and the he's emperor like, shows up yeah do not clean my filthy slaves. <laughs> I need them now. He demands them. They they see the they see the emperor. The emperor looks like the other aliens, except he has a crown. They all they've all been described as having uh, ivory tusks that come out of their mouths and head and mm. stuff like that. And he is described as having a crown with that has grown from his, grown right out of his head again. Yeah. This is a divine right of king situation. You were born a king. <laughs> you were not. You were chosen by the divine beings to become king. Once a generation, one of these aliens grows a tumor that one, looks like a yeah, crown. one king alien is born, and they live. For, they live for however long God deigns them to live. Uh, <laughs> and, and so he he says he wants the children uh, now. He wants them presented. He wants to see how smart they are because. Uh, Morgul and Gobble have been uh, talking these two kids up about their smarts. Yeah, and today's the Jubilee, so we gotta have those children. <laughs> Today is the math Jubilee, and I'm going to win it. <laughs> we got, we, we're, we're, we're in the mathletes competition. We gotta have two ringers that can really win it for us. And these kids, they play real stupid. Yeah. Yeah, they do some three stooges nonsense again. They like bonk into each other. Um, one of them kicks a high leg and farts, and the and then they high five for forty five minutes. Like, it's just, 
It's real, real regular show. Yeah. <laughs> I love this part because it's. I think it's intended for us to truly believe that they have gone stupid at this point. You know that they've gone back to being dumb to being dummies. Uh, yeah. But which obviously they haven't. Uh, but they. I think it's supposed to be a twist because they. They. They can. Was it? I think so. I think it was. But because here's why I think that because it carries over into Earth again briefly. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I. I think the part that was throwing me was like you guys have said they are so dumb that they have descended below what the baseline was at the beginning of this book. Right, and they like, and then they have a couple moments where like they do stuff where like they were being really stupid just a moment before, and then they like have attained some level of intelligence briefly, and it's like kind of oscillating, you know? Yeah, unless you're gonna be like, oh, the brain juice has a. A withdrawal, like a like a drug, where this if you you feel dumber after using it, mm-hmm. I'd be like okay. But instead, I was like, I think they're just they're just protesting against the man who wants to enslave them by going like, no, no, we don't know what you're talking about, right? Man. I think RL hits on something interesting here, which is it's hard to be smart, but it's easy to prove you're smart. Whereas. Hmm. It's easy to be stupid, but it's hard to prove you're stupid. You could just be a smart person pretending to be dumb. Oh, but a smart person can't pretend to be, or a dumb person can't pretend to be smart. Yeah. Got it. Got it, got it, got hmm. it. That, hmm. that is the, the grand dance that we see <laughs> laid out <laughs> in front of us here. Um, I don't know. They run away again, because obviously, and then they fall in a chute. <laughs> it's a genius plan. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Can, can I can I bring up one thing I forgot to mention? Is when they first arrive there in the planet, or after get, when Gobble and Morgul are giving them the tour or whatever, and how you'll be our number slaves. Mm-hmm. Then they give translators to the kids, going, "And now you will understand our language." Uh-huh. <laughs> but like you've been talking to them for this whole book. But okay, uh, not every alien has an hour to learn English. They have they have jobs. Chad, all right. They have busy. So you're saying season. without the book calling it out, they Gobble and Morgul naturally switched from alien language to English and back and forth. No, the the book the book does call it. They said they they say Gobble and whatever the fuck learned English in an hour. Um, oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah. well, that's very impressive. Yeah. Well, they and I love that they say uh, they're like our language has 700 letters. To which I'm like. Chinese has like <laughs> tens of thousands of letters, so it's not that impressive. <laughs> yeah, they leave. They, they go home, and they, then the book ends. <laughs> yeah, and seriously, that's all that happens. They run away. Wait, they wait get... hold up. We can't skip over that Morgul and Gobble just get fucking iced. Well, that, uh, yeah, because well, the fucking guards are... Te- well, they do a great job of shooting Morgul and Gobble. They're killed for, for bringing two dum-dums onto the ship. Uh, and then and then the kids are able to dodge around. I'm, I'm pretty sure the king gets blasted by his own guards. I, and I, you know what? I don't think... Something tells me again it's a divine right situation, so people are probably not too happy with having a king chosen by uh, chosen by sheer chance. So I do think that they that his guards fragged him, the king. The oh, emperor. it was like a coup. Yeah, I think they fragged him. Uh, <laughs> so the the kids uh, help the guards frag their king, and then they and then they jump down a chute, which lands them in a spaceship that takes them home. Yeah, yeah, that was so convenient. <laughs> As Kevin said, they run away and they get home. That's, that's yep. all. Wait, that no, happens. doesn't the Emperor also do it? What's that? What? I, I, I want to try to find this page. I swear the Emperor puts them on the ship that's going home. No, no, I'm the like, Emperor, the Emperor, uh, we don't see him get shot, but he gets shot off screen. I'm telling you. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to find this. The this em- is totally I know it. you don't want him to be dead, but the Emperor is dead. Chad. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't really know what Chad has to gain from like fact checking us on this one, but <laughs> I, I missed an episode. I'm coming back, and I need to prove myself. Uh, so they're ducking disintegration blasts. Uh, they, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, did we miss right. something? Okay, so go on. Nathan and Lindy are being chased. It's just like Star Wars Episode Four. They're running around being chased by stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. They go into what they call a closet, and they were trapped here. We ran into a closet. Too late. The Emperor filled the doorway. His eyes moved from Nathan to Lindy, and broad smiles, smiles of victory, spread on both of his mouths. Let us go, Lindy cried, her voice cracking. The Emperor tilted back his head and laughed, an ugly croaking laugh. Okay, he said. You may go. He reached a tentacle up to a silver level on the wall. He pulled the lever down. And then they fall, no floor, ow, ow, ow. We just slide down into darkness faster and faster. I totally... I just read past that. I think at this point I was a little over the book. <laughs> I think I just. Yeah. <laughs> but they think they're like, are we in a prison cell? A cage? His heart pounding, his throat sore from screaming. Nathan squinted into the white light. Where are we? Um, just kind of skipping ahead. We turned to Lindy. We're back on a spaceship, he said. We're taking off. Do you think they're sending us home? Do you think we could be that lucky? Two days later, they were at Uncle Frank's house. Yeah. Yeah. The Emperor just put them on a one way trip back home. Yeah, because it doesn't fucking matter. That's the thing. <laughs> Nothing matters. <laughs> They just they just had to go home, and the book sent them home. And, and they, they they meet up with Uncle Frank. They're acting like they're dumb, dumb, not as dumb as they were acting on the ship, but they're acting well. They appear to be stupid. Uh, back to normal, stupid selves. And yeah. uh, Frank seems to be happy with the return to the status quo, so that he can go back to Sweden and bone his wife, uh, his hot wife. But they're secretly really smart. They are like writing math equations and then erasing them before Doctor Frank sees them. Yep. And that's yep. that's and then it ends with uh, Dr. Frank coming back into the room with some drinks for them because he said he would make them some hot chocolate and he's drinking grape juice eight times a day because he thinks it'll make him smart, I guess. Is that the joke? That's the I think that's a joke because he's not. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, is this he maybe drinking like brain juice, like real brain juice? No, yeah. I think he's just drinking grape juice thinking it's going to make him smart because I guess he didn't believe their alien story. Maybe. I didn't really get the punchline at the I end. Couldn't so. t- yeah, I couldn't tell if it was that or just like Dr. Frank is just like, I felt like some grape juice and hey, call back to what I did earlier, right? I, like, I, hey. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's supposed to be like a funny ending, but it's not as it's not like a twist or anything like that. I don't know. Who knows? Also, did I ever tell you kids that I actually gave you grape juice instead of brain juice? I don't know. Maybe maybe we talked about that in the post post mortem. I, I was hoping that I'd like pull you guys over to my side on this one and make you guys like the book. I could feel myself disliking the book the more we talked about it. Oh, <laughs> I loved this book. Yeah, I had a blast. I think I thought this book was good in the beginning. Again, I thought the characters were really funny because they were stupid, yeah. and I thought the I thought the situation was pretty funny. Like that mm. when he does the the equation and he's completely wrong. That's funny. Like that's a funny yes. moment. Uh. But the I just the ending just felt like it like again, Chad, to your point, I think the aliens were so unnecessary that it kind of ruined it. This could have been funnier and better if they just took the whole alien thing out of it. I think you could have done something where like, yeah, you take the aliens out, you just have like the brain juice that they drink. Mm-hmm. And maybe like they both become geniuses, but one is like gets like like a little bit more juice than the other. And like there's now <laughs> There's no just because there's one person smarter than you, you're still a genius, but you feel like an idiot. Ooh. Like that could be a good thing. That could have been a good thing to explore. But like, I don't know. R- RL kind of said like he'd been like cooking this one up for a while, and this like this is his favorite, right? Like someone in our Discord I think said so, that this yes. was right. Yeah, I could see. I could actually, if RL wrote this, and if we talked about him earlier, him being the jokester, this is like the f- 
maybe maybe unintentionally, this is the funniest Goosebumps book I have read. Of like the comedy of Gobble and Morgul is pure comedy, not horror, and it's just kind of like ridiculous premises of I don't know. Slaves to do math is so weird. I kind of like it. I don't think that I, I, I agree with you. I think this is one of the funniest books. I think that RL never intend. I think he says these books are scary and he says he loves to scare kids. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think what RL likes is campy horror that isn't scary, but is funny. And I think that's what he makes this. I think he's always done that is he writes campy, silly, over the top horror things that sometimes sometimes move into the realm of actual scary actually being scary i was just trying to kind of choose this like a thought experiment while i was reading through this at, on on regards to this kind of like the different narrators and how different this is than than usual mm-hmm. i feel like the template version of this story in an older goosebumps book if you wanted to have all these beats we just would have never cut away to Goblin Morgul or Dr. Frank, it would have been the kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, yeah, a crazy scientist gives us brain juice. There would have been this kind of twist halfway through where the doctor's like, I have to tell you kids the truth. I didn't give you brain juice. I gave you grape juice. Right. And the alien, there would be maybe some maybe some hints of the aliens for the through the first third or weird happenings. And then we would have been yeah. given the reveal. And I think that might have been how this one was written, Chad. Because of, I'm thinking because of the double description that maybe it was written where there was a twist and they were like, Fucking RL, you can't do it. It's too, you can't do it like, again. I'm not, I'm not letting you. You don't do- see, yeah, you wouldn't see Gobble and Morgul until they just showed themselves up in the woods going, Sup, you're coming with us to space. And then someone, right. you know, an editor gave a note of like, That's ridiculous. I, I actually kind of like this version more um, than what is probably the quote unquote better version. Yeah, we would have been annoyed uh, as hell if it was just like, Oh, it's surprise aliens. We would have been really annoyed. Surprise aliens. Yeah. yeah. This at least was funny this way. Right. So, Kevin, Kevin, you convinced me I like this book. I love this. I, I think this is our first time that this one person liked it and another person didn't. Dang. And you actually swapped sides. Yeah. Like, I don't know <laughs> what happened. Over to each other. <laughs> I don't know. You know, thinking about some other books in the Goosebumps series I've read, like this one being a little overbaked is not such a bad thing. I don't mm-hmm. think. No, but um, it's not. It's not the worst. No, I'd be on board more cutaways to the villains just talking about like Monster World. That would be that would make these more interesting to read in the future. I would have loved more cutaways to the parents talking about how dumb the kids are and how they can't let them know. <laughs> All of RL's like cutaways to Monster World are monsters actually think you're ugly. <laughs> there were so many of those jokes throughout, for sure. That's his favorite. That's his favorite fucking thing is the monsters think you're ugly. That's his safe word. That's where his, that's his place. That's his rock <laughs> that he comes back to. That's his baseline. That's his yeah. baseline. Uh, uh, just because I was, I'm. Thank you to the Goosebumps fandom wiki. I'm just kind of looking like, is there any other hints that this is where, uh, the nature of of these books will go? Um, and then one of the trivia collections, it says that this book, Scream School, which we haven't read, and Slappy's Nightmare, which we haven't read, I don't think, are the only Goosebumps series 2000 books to be written in the third person. Ah, okay. so maybe that's what I found so refreshing was just that break away from my name is Nathan. I'm a kid and I'm a real dumb dumb. Like it kind of, it was more interesting to see the the different POVs. Right. Right. Yeah. I thought that, I thought this book had some good stuff in it. Um, some fun, like you guys had shifts in perspective. Um, just thought it didn't stick the landing. That's all. Should have yep. had a little more brain juice before doing, finishing this one up. 
Maybe the emperor doesn't just say goodbye and put them on a right. one-way trip home. That felt a little like the book needed to end it. Maybe the super geniuses actually outsmart him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the kids in their infinite genius are like, let's crawl into the dissected skin of Morgul and Gobble and convince the Emperor that we are them. But but the kids using their intelligence to get them out of the problem would be a trait mattering. A, a trait to the child mattering in the story. <laughs> which right. is not a thing RL does for some reason. Nope. Nope. And like and you could say that they did do it by acting dumb, but that is not why they escaped. He did not choose to let them go because they they acted dumb. He just chose that because of a whim, I guess. <laughs> He, he well, you know what he. he I, this is how I'm reading that scene now. He cornered them, and he had all intents and purposes to eat them right. or do something terrible to them. Mm-hmm. He noticed that he just happened to be over the hatch that leads to the ships that take you to Earth. Right. And when the kids said, "Let us go," he was like, "I can't, I can't resist this clever wordplay by going if you insist." And then that the floor after Chad, that tracks. He he couldn't resist the urge to joke. The urge to pun <laughs> was too strong, so he did it. It overrode his alien mind, and he was like, fine. Something compels me. I love it. I love it. Oh, boy, I missed reading these, these, these books with you guys. <laughs> Same. This is a good time. Hey, if you want to, I think that's the episode. So I'm going to say, if you want to check out more on Goosebuds, we're on all streaming services, wherever you found this. All those episodes are there. But if you want to get access to bonus episodes that we do every month, which is pretty much Kevin, Paul, and myself hanging out around the audio campfire and joking and talking about things we care about besides these books, you can get Camp Goosebuds, which is on our Patreon, patreon.com slash goosebuds. Yes, we will tell you what our favorite fandom.wiki page is on that that (laughs) podcast. Next episode, we'll talk about them. Uh, Also, hey, if you want to like... Uh, support the show in other ways, or maybe like dress your body for the summer. We got some mm. new stuff on the store. Yeah, we got some. We got some muscle shirts for your muscles. Oh yeah, and but I mean tank tops. Tank top. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's a muscle shirt. It's I think muscle that shirt. counts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin's modeling one of them. Uh, I am. I recently posted a new one of our our new Goosebud sixty four, uh, which is our cover art converted into a wonderful quasi. Uh, it's not the N sixty four. It's the Glomp Cube, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is for the Gomf Cube. Yep. Uh, and the new Goosebuds uh, logo tee as well. You can check those out on Goosebuds.store. Check that shit out. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go drink some juice. Yeah. Happy Juice Month, everybody. <laughs> juice Month! This episode of Goosebuds is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters, especially those wonderful folks in the Book of Names. The Book of Names. Starting off with Stefan, Jive, Turkey, Kuwabara, Hollis, Hornbeak, Cameron, Murphy, Audio, Michael McDowell, Hey, Josh, Rob, <laughs> Nikki C. <laughs> Heard that, Hootie? Hootie's going nuts in the background. Nathan Dolzal, Kelly C. Mike Lanteri, Buddy Moral, ALK. Mel Dipson. Zang Keith. Low Belly. Hate Me. Afshin. Danky Mixed Danky. Dango Twist. Brian Wells. 
Elden Lord Zentacles. Congratulations. Ooh, congratulations. Stealth Bates. Patrick Reynolds. Robert Moon. Real quick, I would just like for anyone who is an Elden Lord to please update your name so I know all the Elden Lords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Jason Crooker. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. John Keaty. Calf. Third, Sergio. New episode of Paranoia Shop <laughs> out now. No, there's, there's, no, there's no new episodes. There's no new episodes. But thank you. Sniggy. Ishak Arafin. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Sailor. Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. Reinfected. Jar Jar Slanks. Justin Wagman. Chosen One. Cardboard Walk. Levi Than. Up and Champ. Jonas Engman. Bloyster. Carl. Hey y'all, Broccoli here. It's been a fun year, but all things must end. Broccoli oh, recipe incoming. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is the broccoli recipe going to end us? Okay. All right. I want to hear it. Uh, I want to know. <laughs> Alicia Grave. The last broccoli recipe you'll ever need. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Elusive Koala. Yanni Markovina. Joe. Brooke X. Jesus Christ. Christian Van Skeever. Drew Applegate. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hopgood. <laughs> Zach Connor. <laughs> Ooh, Patreon <laughs> underscore donator comma yo. Are we doing ghost? Joe, are we doing, I don't know. Are we doing SNL or spooky? Because it both works. Spooky or SNL? I started SNL and went spooky. What's the difference? <laughs> Joe, spooky digital ghost tyranny. tyranny. Sorry, I had, to, I had to SNL it up because it was a little too spooky. Tom Whittem. Wow. I guess it's been a while since Andrew Jadzak has taken a long enough drive to listen to a podcast. Been there, dude. That's real. Lord Cornwallis. Jonas Bladderman. Carson Birkenbean. Murph EP. Tevin Ticklebean, Gnome Ranger. Cool, 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 cool. Oh. Do you, do you, are you a gnome as a ranger or do you like corral gnomes? <laughs> wow. Or you like the lone ranger, but the gnome ranger. Oh, oh, I like that. Ooh, that's cool. Sean Minogue. Paul Grasso. Rushy Glenn. Wiggle it. Joe. Regular name. Scott. John Pigeon Hat Barber. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. Alex Moon, the robotic dog. Vincent Modica. Sarah Camp. Luke Knoodles. Tanya Turtle. Hugh Bolin. Zam Bambino. Adam, you goofed. Juan Jalapena. Keith Halcrow. Timothy Misadalakis. Clay McCarty. Nathan Remick. Matthew Stevens. Need more kimchi, formerly Divaldi. Thought I should clarify. I appreciate that, Divaldi. Glad to know Divaldi is still there. Parker Lee. Ham underscore boat. Hey guys, Kevin here. Just wanted to know if Goosebuds is a pro or anti-September 11 podcast. I don't. Kevin already knows that answer. I don't know why he'd be asking. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if I should be pro or anti. <laughs> Wait, no, you're anti-September 11, clearly. <laughs> but I'm pro-remembering it. Hmm. I, mm, I'm pro it as a date. Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> like a, I mean, it's I'm I am not anti. I'm neutral on all dates, really. It's actually my parents' anniversary, so I guess I'm pro September. <laughs> <laughs> For good reason. Reed Steubenjike. Raymond Hernandez. Flemily. The Crow fans. Matthew Sutton. Joey Evans. Lee Wood. Jeffrey Owen. Kahi. Carewise Gamgee. Kelsey Kinnaman. Swaggy Yolo Squire. Cameron Hansen. Russell Castberg, me lord. Javier Jimenez. Brandon Arafin. Liam Neeson's though. Chris Putricus. Scotty Pippen. Streak. Meet Virginia. Generally depressing. Dom Sexy Ghost, a.k.a. Captain Sick. Dungeon Kappa. Yeah, yeah. Ben Bohan. Boss Gerritsen. MC Hamster on the ones and twos. That'd be more of a DJ, but, you know. Zach Ware in the morning. Limp Duck in the afternoon. Stinklitch after dark. Ooh. 
Alan G. Jessam. Tobias Clark. Michael Kupka. Adam Moose. Elden Slink. Congratulations. Ooh. Very nice. Hey, Anthony. I'm glad you're doing better. Keep up the good work. Good work, Anthony. Good Ryan job. Stewart. Jonas Evan Voldson. Calamity Carl. Germ Juice. Nick Johnson. Stephen Day. Estimena, Lord of Paul's Pants. The wrong kind of lord, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, not an Elden Lord. More of a Denim Lord. The Davy Boy. <laughs> Kenny M. Ryan Carroll. Jeremy Bowser. Dr. Diarrhea. Megan McCormick Mason. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Scalafella. Ninja Breadman. Jackie Ledeen. Coleman Laguza. They call me Dr. Lamb. They call me Dr. Lamb. <laughs> I should have done. Yeah, see, I was like, I immediately fucked it up. I didn't sing it. Yeah. Oh, you got a little old ma pretty Frenched. Hey, Peanut Berg level 69 is all I'm saying to that. Dr. Chocula. <laughs> Jimmy Soul. A pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. David Gray. Bryce Deary. Matthew Brittata. Moonjuice. Carbson. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. SSJ Trogdor. Some of Chad's bird friends. Nicholas Maloney. Midwest Indigo 13. Burgers Hot Dwarf Summer World. Hell oh, yeah. Oh my. I, it is the start of Hot Dwarf Summer, everybody. <laughs> Burger has called it. I'm picturing a lot of dwarfs twerking right now, and I dig it. <laughs> nice. Thomas Jansis. Aaron Lord. Another Lord of something. I don't know what. Congratulations. Congratulations. Tell me if I'm saying this wrong, but Dunnage Warehouse. Tell me if I'm saying this right. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee definitely said that right. Mm. Doctor Eggdrop Soupman. Lucretia McEvil. Elmrailed. Mutant Astronaut. Mike Spaghetti Jones. Henry Torbert. Redemption. Adam Knapp. Chris. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. David Lynch. Triple X. Brendan Fraser. 666. Chick. Milk Punk. Mr. Misfire. Mandy Nasty. Lama Lad. Soggy Newspapers. Wagmar Wigner. Dakota Camp. John Dub. 976-E-V-I-L. Oh, that spells evil. <laughs> Philip Reynolds. <laughs> Detroit Red. Nathan Gurney. Kiwi of Lerv. Serial Killer X. R.R. Davis Crafts. Ryanimator. Scott Wable. Kit Bush. That's Dr. Mr. Unimportant <laughs> to you. <laughs> Is Kit Bush a Kate Bush reference? Because listen, I'm just I'm just digging it. Everything's a Kate Bush reference now. Uh, Kit Bush is uh, New Zealand Kate Bush. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> just digging that resurgence of Kate Bush right now. Rocco, Josh Howell, Ali, Safe, Liam Rogers, Evan Bowen, Benjamin Luther, Edgar's Crassus, Zach Bentley, Dennis Wright, Hover the Moon, Cameron Gansveld, Greg Busto, Vosivi, Matt Septor. Greg Gervasi, a.k.a. Vitizen. Dakota Kipper. Chad Chard Chunky Chode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, Anthony Rodriguez. <laughs> hey, B. Oh my God, Kevin's had us monkeys trapped for two months. After writing 20 goosebumps, he won't let us go. I have a PhD. <laughs> I think that last part's kind of unrelated to the other part of that story. Uh, I'd like to address the recent monkey controversy leveled against me, uh, and all I have to say is get back to work. Jeff Webb is a big baby, and now that it has been said on a podcast, it's definitely true. Congratulations I... on your new baby self, Jeff. <laughs> May you be reborn and have a new Lisa life. That's a sweeting. I sure hope that nobody is using our podcast to mess with their friends. Don't mix me up in the middle of that. Julius the Nice Dragon. Aw. Uh -huh. Reverend Odin's Eye Hole, MD. Another doctor. <laughs> Everyone's becoming Elden Lord and doctors. <laughs> a, a faith int build. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chiraku, the thing that goes doink in the anime. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Hi, first time, long time. Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Spencer Y. And now, welcome to the new names in the book of names. names. Join us, Hilda B. Welcome, James Stavrinos. Welcome, Gelato Coon. Hello, Chris Byers. How long will you remain Chris Byers and not Chris <laughs> Byers, Elden Lord, or MD or something? How's it going, Mike? Hunt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Even the delay, it was still there. It's still there. You can't escape it. I, I, I knew a, a Mike Hunt in middle school. Maybe this is him coming back. All right. Um... Mike, if you were my former middle school bully, just let me know. It's cool that you're pledging and being part of the name. Just let me know. Kate the Great! And finally, welcome, my cart. Close the book upon your name. Names. Okay, <laughs> stop there. No, we did it. We're good. Nailed it. Flypaper. The work of the people. Owned by the people. Supported by the people. Visit flypaper.fm.